Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Live's Red Sox podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Cotillo. This week, we have two people who do not cover the Red Sox. One actually used to, and fortunately for those of us who work at Fenway Park, he no longer does. We have our Patriots beat writer, Chris Mason, and our Celtics beat writer, Tom Westerholm. And we're going to have a roundtable here about how we're possibly going to get sports uh, back going in the middle of a pandemic. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on this week. Thanks for having me. Lovely introduction. Yeah, I, I, I like butchered your last name there for a second, which, you know, I, I was going to say Chris Smith. I wouldn't ever insult you by saying that as, you know, those of uh, those people um, who know the Red Sox beat well or followed any of us on Twitter knew that Mason, Chris Smith and I actually lived together last spring training and uh, what what turned out to be an absolute disaster. So uh, that's never going to happen again because he now covers the Patriots, which is bad for readers, but good for those of us who need better roommates in Fort Myers. So I'll start with Tom because the NBA is kind of, I guess, the leader in all this. It was the first sport to shut down, um, has the most prominent players who actually had the coronavirus. And you were right in the middle of your season when this all happened. So I guess starting with that, I mean, you obviously cover a guy, Marcus Smart, who had it. You were probably I think you were covering Gobert and Donovan Mitchell what a week before. Um, mm-hmm. And they were in Boston a week before they came down. So for you. You know, being around those guys, first of all, you know, how crazy was that whole stretch? And then also, were you concerned that you might have been exposed during that stretch? Yeah, I mean, because during that early stretch, nobody really knew what was going on or how you got exposed or how can I mean, even how contagious it was like it was just it was a real mystery. So, you know, when Gobert was diagnosed and when that news obviously came out, you start thinking to yourself like, okay, so that was five days ago, seven days ago, you know, 14 days. Like we, we knew some of the, enough of the details that it was pretty scary um, that Gobert had been in Boston at that point. So yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you, there were, there were definitely concerns and uh, it was, it was definitely a surreal experience. I was supposed to fly to Milwaukee um, to cover the, the, the first game that the Celtics missed, which was uh, Celtics bucks. They were in Milwaukee at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I was supposed to fly to Milwaukee, um, you know, shout out to uh, our, editor Jim who was just like yeah you don't have to go if you don't want to and I was just like nah I'm good like I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here but I don't like it so I uh, I sat that one out and I was glad I did and Mason for you I'm not gonna call you Chris because that's too confusing it with our sports staff with three of us but um to be the only sport really still going full throttle during this where and you know, the rest of us are aggregating a ton of NFL stuff when we're 
working because that's still going on. The draft, free agency, and it's really been, in terms of the Patriots, maybe the most newsworthy stretch in you know the last 25 years. I mean, there's been a lot of really newsworthy stretches, but with Brady leaving and everything, um, has it even felt other than you know working from home and and not you know doing maybe the normal type of draft coverage has it even felt any different than maybe what it would have otherwise? Not terribly. I mean, the other day, it's not even just in sports, but in general, somebody said to me, like, I feel like your life has changed the least out of anybody I know during coronavirus. Just because, yeah. you know, NFL offseason, I'd be working from home doing this stuff anyways. And, you know, it's pretty much status quo. Um, I mean, I was kind of surprised the first the league decided to go forward with the draft and well, free agency before that and everything. But obviously it turned out to be a great thing for them. I mean, their virtual draft was one of the most, like, best received they've ever had highest ratings and people really needed it so yeah i mean they're just kind of business as usual but it's going to start to get weird now when like ota should be starting and they can't do that and today the league said that there's no, like still all virtual through the end of may so this is the first time that's going to start to get a little sketchy but to this point it's been you know pretty much business as usual it feels like you know i've seen people maybe this is a political statement and we will try our absolute best to avoid that on this podcast but um, I've seen people say like the NFL almost is being ignorant. They're just powering on saying, we're going to play the season. We're going to release our full schedule with no contingency plans. Is that the vibe you get? I mean, it's easy to say that. I think there are contingency plans that they're not going right. to announce because they, they do want the season to go on as planned. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think at this point, knowing what we know now, it's an absolute pipe dream that there'll be full stadiums in September. That just doesn't seem realistic. Right. I mean, so I think that's how you could see the game come back is like and the NFL could have a regular schedule if all goes like very, very well just with empty stadiums. But the idea that they're going to be packed by September is ludicrous. And that's obviously something that in baseball they're going to face baseball in the middle of you know crazy negotiations right now between the league and the Players Association as they try to figure out now their season is almost two months old and hasn't started. Um, and Tom, I think there was some news on the NBA today that uh, Adam Silver said it's coming within two to four weeks. I guess at this point, you know, it's clear that they want to do a neutral site. Um, it seems unlikely that the regular season would pick back up in any form. I mean, what is your gut on what this will look like? Uh, first of all, will it happen at all? And, and second, what will it look like if it does? Yeah, I think at this point, between the momentum that the NBA has toward restarting, what with uh, you know practice facilities opening up and just all the different scenarios that they've been tossing around, and especially the player enthusiasm, which I think really matters, I would I would bet that we will get some form of a season, or at least I think I think the NBA will make sure that they can crown a champion at this point, which which is basically I think kind of their ultimate goal. How that looks, I'm not as certain. I I I think the the sort of the Occam's razor version of it would be that there would be no playoffs and just or uh, excuse me no regular season um and just you know go straight to the playoffs mm-hmm. you know bust through those maybe do it in disneyland D- disney world whatever the one is that's in florida um you know maybe <laughs> or, or do it. vegas which is adult disney world right yeah <laughs> but i i do have a harder time seeing it in vegas i you know was talked to keith smith who um, was the one who initially uh you know kind of proposed the the disney world option and, and it just makes so much more sense to do it there where everything is kind of enclosed you can kind of you know control the situation a little bit and i, I think that's going to be really appealing uh to the league but i do think that we are going to see the nba come back i do think that they're going to finish the season in some form 
sure there'll probably be some sort of an asterisk next to whoever wins the championship, but at least there's a champion and at least they'll be able to, you know, recoup some of that TV money that they might otherwise lose, which obviously matters a lot for the CBA. So I just think with the momentum that the league has right now already moving toward it and with the obvious, you know, interests in trying to recoup as many of their financial losses as possible, I think that it's I, I would bet a pretty good amount of money that the NBA is coming back at some point. And that was my next question on the asterisk. I mean, if there's nobody in the stands and you know, obviously home court advantage is such a huge part of the NBA playoffs, probably more than any other sport in your mind. I mean, do you look at that as a tainted championship? You know, I, I wouldn't say tainted necessarily. And, and I mean, you know, the no, home court, wrong word. but you know, I, I, I see what you, I, to your point, I think it's, to, to me, it's less about the home court advantage and more about the just like the loss of momentum for teams that were already rolling. Like if the Bucks lose in the second round, the Bucks are always going to feel like, well, if the season had gone on normally, we would have won all the way to the championship. If, the same thing for the Lakers or, you know, if you want to get. If you want to get really weird with it, let's say Kevin Durant is able to come back for the for the Nets and they, mm-hmm. you know, make a run and knock off the Raptors or something like that. Or, you know, maybe the Sixers can, you know, get their get their lives together a little bit better and, and stop being a terrible team and actually play to their potential. And, you know, and, may, and maybe they can stop. Maybe this this break was enough for them to stop hating each other. But, <laughs> you know, that break wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the coronavirus. So whoever they face in the first round, you know, it's, I could just see all of that kind of coalescing and, Mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of adds a lot of excuses for teams that, that might get bounced. But I mean, in general, I, I mean, with the home court advantage thing, in that in that scenario, everybody's kind of on an even playing field. You know, everybody's facing the same situation. Everybody's, you know, in the same, uh, kind of having the same problems. So an asterisk maybe, but like, you know, it's it just kind of is what it is. Like people right. have people have put an asterisk next to the 1999 champion. Like it's it's not going to be the first time in NBA history that uh, th- that there's been kind of weird, you know, a weird situation. And just go back to last year, Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson both got injured in the finals, and that mm-hmm. almost certainly played a major role in the Raptors winning. So it'll be uh, it'll be different, but I I don't know uh, I don't know I don't know how different. We obviously saw college basketball season was shortened, which was great news for me because you can't miss an NCAA tournament that doesn't exist. So uh, Roy Williams and his uh, streak and legacy doesn't take that hit, even though it was a horrible season. Mason, I know you love when I talk about Carolina basketball and and all that comes with it. But this this Duke fan out of spite. It's just yeah. gonna happen. I'm gonna. Just That's fine. To- yeah. And uh, but my Thank question you. is on college football season because it seems like there's clear i don't know if warning shots is the right term but there's clear indications being thrown out that college football season is not going to be the same i mean schools are already saying they're going to be online during the fall i think in all of california or at least the california state universities you know that encompasses i think cal which is you know a perennial pac-12 okay team sometimes good um i mean what do you I know it's not your beat necessarily, but what do you envision college football looking like this fall? Is it going to be a regional thing? Is it going to be conference by conference? I mean, it's impossible to answer, but just in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I could see it end up being uh, a conference type deal, but I mean, that's where like the college game has so many issues the NFL doesn't have where like there's a certain hypocrisy. Like, how can you be playing football if you're not going to have kids in school, right? How can these kids congregate, but not like people who are supposed to be there to study? So that's a whole nother issue. And I mean, you know, the NCAA is sterling in their ethics, so I'm sure there will be no way to skirt that or anything like that. But I mean, I think it definitely could look different and that's a whole different set of problems. Yeah. I think, you know, with baseball, 
You're looking at the draft process has been so screwed up. It's already down to five rounds from 40, which is really absurd. And these kids are not having a chance to play in high school or college their spring seasons and be scouted. You think this will have a ripple effect for years on the NFL if certain college prospects are you know, getting looks, other guys are not this fall? No, not really. I mean, I think the scouting is so advanced that, like, like Kyle Duggar's a perfect example, right? Like, right. there were 32 teams at Lenore Ryan scouting D2 Kyle Duggar, like, two years ago, not even his draft year. So, I mean, I think they're far enough along. They they know these guys, and there there's certainly going to be some misses, and there's going to be some development that doesn't, like, work as linear as it could, but... I think by and large, it'll be about the same. And Tom, on that same question, I mean, how do you, do you think there's any real impact? I haven't even paid attention to when the NBA draft is going to be. I assume it's not going to be on its normal schedule, but I guess some point in the one month off season they end up having. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they haven't technically pushed it back from its late June date right now, but I mean, they're obviously going to, especially if, especially if they, you know, decide, I guess technically they don't have to, if, if they do end up canceling the season, but I, I, like I said, I don't anticipate that happening. So, um, you know, I, I would expect them to end up pushing that back a ways. Um, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> It's going to be weird. Like these guys have a ton of time to scout, you know, all these players like the the Celtics. I know have been, uh, you know, they've been doing like three or four meetings a week just to, in, in terms of scouting. They're going through yeah. all the all the different conferences and just, uh, you know, just getting a really good handle on this really mediocre draft. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that manifests itself. But I mean, I would expect that the draft will probably get pushed back because they obviously they have to have it. Um, after the season is canceled because teams need to be able to make draft day trades. That's just right. kind of a, a staple of the of the draft itself. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I would I would anticipate that, you know, not happening until, you know, August or September that probably at the earliest. So the last time there was NBA games, the world basically was shut down because Rudy Gobert tested positive right before a game. I mean, that's almost exactly what happened. But at least the sport was shut down. I mean, this is the golden question for every sport, baseball, football, basketball, everything. If an NBA player tests positive, I mean, what's going to happen this time around? Well, Adam Silver told players on a apparently on a conference call that if that they if the situation is going to be that they're going to have to shut down because of one positive test, then they shouldn't restart the season, yeah. which I think is, you know, pretty much exactly right. Like you can't really afford to keep just stop, start, stop starting. Um, you know, I, ESPN's Tim Bontemps has talked a couple of times now about how he thinks that if the uh, if there is a positive test, there might be sort of like a, you know, like a small waiting period, like maybe teammates get tested, maybe the people around the person get tested, that kind of thing, um, you know. Those are that's all up in the air. I think the general hope would be that they have the NBA is trying to get to a point where it can have enough tests to just just keep doing it. You know, whether it's daily, whether it's every other day, however, however often they need to try to limit it as much as possible. And if somebody does test positive, then you can isolate that person right away and, you know, get all the other testing around that guy done that you need to do. So, you know, I think for the NBA, it basically just comes down to testing. Like if they can if they can get all that done, if they can, uh, you know, make sure that they slow the spread within, uh, you, you know, w within one isolated case, then it, it's, it's not so bad. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a small problem if somebody tests positive, that's for sure. Right. And we saw it last time. You know, it's impossible to know exactly how it made its way around the league. But there was uh, upwards of 10 guys, right, who tested positive, some yep. we know of and some who um, never, the names never came out. Mason, I think for you, 
with the NBA team, just obviously a much larger, I mean, with the NFL, a much larger traveling party. It's a roster of 53 and not 15. Um, you know, you add coaches and trainers and everything. Does that make it that much harder for the NFL to, to kind of proceed? I don't really think so. Just given teams like the Patriots have their own chartered planes. And like that even happened last year when they had, what was it, 18 questionable players for the Houston game because everyone had the flu. So they literally had like, they have two planes. They had one was like the sick plane and one was the healthy plane. And they just flew them down like that. So I don't, I don't just given like the NFL scope and the money these teams have, I don't think it's a huge issue. Um, but can we talk for a second about how Major League Baseball right now is doing the most Major League Baseball thing ever, where it's like, all right, you have the governor of Florida saying Florida's open. Like, you guys could be the first sport back. People are watching Korean baseball right now. Like, people are starving for sports. It's your time to shine, and we're going to have a labor dispute. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you, you, can take, you can take the guy off the Red Sox beat, but you can't take the Red Sox beat out of the guy. <laughs> but I, I know you. I mean, it is, it is ridiculous. I've been on a couple podcasts this week and say what is your gut feeling and it's like well it was already going to be hard i mean for anybody who heard colin McHugh last week on here saying you can't make this mandatory players have to be able to opt out um you know that kind of blew up and got a lot of backlash which i didn't think was necessarily fair because he wasn't saying he wasn't going to do it he said that if guys do have underlying conditions or have family members with it, they're not going to feel safe enough to play. So you already have that battle brewing, and then you throw even more of a money issue on top of it, to your point, is pretty ridiculous. It's just so baseball. Yeah. <laughs> like, talking to Tom, it's like the NBA players, it seems like they want to get the game going, they want to get it all started up, and they're going to figure it out, because where there's a will, there's a way. With baseball, it's always like, and the Players Association is going to fight the owners, and we're going to duke this out, even though we agreed to something in March. But now we don't like that agreement anymore. The owners don't like it anymore, so let's rehash it. Let's go through all this stuff instead of actually trying to move the game forward because all we care about at the end of the day is the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, that that is – and most of the blame there, I think, goes on the owners because there was an agreement, and it seems like they want to go even further on their side for it. So well, uh, there's a, a lot of hashing out to happen. 100% agree with that. It's all on the owners, but it's just so baseball. Tom, it's a little bit more harmonious in NBA world. It is weirdly harmonious. Yeah. Like, I mean, everybody kind of wants, well, you know, one thing that's, that's much easier for the NBA, and this is not an original point by any stretch of the imagination, but it's much easier for the NBA to tell its players, Hey, let's, let's finish the playoffs. You know what I mean? As opposed to ML for the, you know, major league baseball being like, Hey, going to have an entire season is everybody going to be locked down for an entire season whereas the nba is just like look if you guys can just stomach like a month and a half at disney world we'll be all right and like you know that's just a that's just a much easier sell but i i do think that in general there is a lot of you know that there's there is sort of uh th there's a good feeling you know between players and, and owners right now like everybody's making a ton of money everybody likes adam silver like it's it's you know it's a pretty good situation for everybody involved and you know the nba is a pretty hot league too like it's there's a lot of uh you know, kind of a lot of positive feelings there, which is not always, <laughs> definitely not always the case in, uh, right. you know, professional sports labor disputes. It seems like, and I've, I've seen more and more baseball players, not just Colin McHugh, but you know, other guys have come out this week. I think Andrew Miller and some other guys have talked about them not being fully sure that it's safe to return. I feel like I haven't seen that much with NBA guys coming out and saying that. Yeah. And I almost think that that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> I mean, like it's, yeah. you know, I, I think that people it's 
people still need to be really careful. And, uh, you know, I think NBA players are no exception. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a sense NBA players really, really want to get back to it. Um, and I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, I think that they sort of and I think one other thing, too, is that they do sort of trust the league to come up with a plan that works and that makes sense. And, you know, when there's that level of trust, I think it's easier to sort of move forward and, you know, maybe work together because everybody sort of feels like, you know, Adam Silver does not want players to get sick. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's been pretty careful about that. So when there's that understanding that it, that there's there's some trust there, everybody's, you know, supposedly working toward the same goal. I think that makes things a little easier as well. You talked about not wanting to go to Milwaukee on that trip earlier. Um, and it's a question that people have asked me in the last couple of weeks, like how excited are you when you can finally, you know, go back to Fenway or go to Fort Myers for training camp again, which spring training is bad enough to cover once. So I can't imagine <laughs> doing it twice in three months, but, um, and the answer I give is not, yeah, I just want to hop on a plane and go. I mean, I'm 24 and you know, you guys are young guys. So obviously we're not in the most at risk groups, but still there's, there's a, a hesitation on my end to want to go to these games and be around people, even if there aren't crowds in, in the stands. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, I, I, who knows if the media is going to be let in or not? First of all, I guess that's a good place to start. I mean, do you think these leagues are going to let reporters in to their bubbles? On the NBA's end, I don't think they will. Uh, no. Honestly, I no. I mean, I just think like, you know, I, I think that any potential benefit of having the media there is pretty soundly canceled out by the, uh, you know, potential risk of it. And, yeah. you know, it would I, I mean, you know, it, it's <laughs> the other thing, too, on on my end as a, you know, a media member with a with a family. Like, I'm not entirely certain that it would be great to be locked in uh, Disney World for a month and a half. Right. Just like with only, you know, God bless my fellow Celtics beat writers, but like with them, <laughs> them as company for uh, a month and a half and, uh, you know, no family, that would be tough. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think the NBA is going to going to let anybody in. And uh, that's that, honestly, you know, if they're trying to limit the, uh, the the exposure of these players, that's probably not the worst idea in the world. Mason farther off, but man, you're in a little bit of different boat, similar to mine with, with no family and little responsibility. So, I mean, <laughs> would you want to still do the normal travel and staying in hotels and all that kind of stuff that comes with covering the Patriots? Obviously, it's not as much travel or as, as many Marriott nights as you may get on the Red Sox or Celtics beat, but this question still applies. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely a little skewed because the road cities are sweet this year. Like, there's yeah. like a Seattle really bad. There's a week in California. Like, it's a good road schedule. But I think it just all depends on, like, how the landscape has changed by September and how it looks and if testing is really ramped up. And there's just so many unanswered questions. Like, mm -hmm. think about it, June, July, August. Like, we're still, like, four months away from that. And think about where we were. Yeah, four this guy's a math whiz, too. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have just counted on my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> saw that as a recording video on Skype here. <laughs> uh, like four months ago, we had no idea what coronavirus was, right? Like right. it just changed so much by then that I don't know. But um, and it's like it'll be interesting to see just the media in general because NFL media is so big, right? Like at a Patriots home game, there are hundreds of reporters there. Yeah. So I don't know, like if that would make the league more like apt to like we have to figure something out, or is that more of a red flag to be like we can't have this many people here, right? Like. And like this far, thus far this offseason, they've been doing Zoom conference calls that have been super easy and pretty well run. And I mean, it obviously sucks if you have 50 other people and like, I don't know, there's a question you're dying to ask. Maybe there's not enough time. And like, it's not like 
you can be like really forward, like in a press conference, right? But because everyone's muted and everything, but I don't know, that's that's a reporter tangent. I mean, I ultimately think that it'll just come down to the leagues and like whatever they think is best. This is a Rob Bradford take, which we try our best to absolutely avoid with all costs on this show and in my mind. But um, he, I think in a podcast with Brian Johnson, um, was talking about how this might be the end of reporter access in the clubhouse. Obviously, as you know, Red Sox and MLB reporters get a ton of it, you know, an hour before the game, an hour after. It's obviously a little bit more limited in, in your sports. But do you think that this could be the point where guys were just never allowed in again if there was ever a point where they uh where they could pull it off it's it's right about now i mean that was that yeah. was a concern um in the early days with the nba because you know the league kind of made this weird decision that they were gonna keep reporters like six feet or seven feet away from from players or something like that and then mm-hmm. they were going to try to do more uh you know a lot more you know, press conferences at the podium and everything. And that was, you know, that was a major point of contention, uh, you know, between the media and PR, like they, the media did not appreciate that. And then, especially when you, when you took into, uh, when you took into account the fact that there were thousands of fans in the building every night, everybody's reaching down for high fives and everything. Right. And it was like, okay, so I can't hold my recorder up to the guy so that I can hear it. I have to be, you know, eight feet away or whatever. So, I mean, that was, that was definitely a concern then. I don't think that the concern is going to go away. Uh, the NBA has wanted to get reporters out of the locker room before. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I, I agree with that on the baseball thing. I mean, they tried the same thing. It was right after I had left spring training, but um, the reports from Fort Myers and, and I think Mason was actually the one that informed me of this is that with the Red Sox, at least it didn't go super well. And, uh, you know, guys are always, if they don't have to talk, they don't want to. So, um, you know, they, it's easier to say no to, you know, PR people with that go between than having to, talk to us gonna wrap up because i don't want to you know take your entire nights i know tom you have frozen two coming to an end and rafi needs to get to get uh to i guess probably the next movie out of the thousands you're having him watch during this period but um for both of you how important is it you know i think there's this theory and this topic that's been talked about so much about how important sports is about you know for the national psyche and getting this back getting us something to watch on TV. So I'm not playing esports DraftKings at two o'clock on a Wednesday and other people have something they can cheer for. I mean, how important is it um, in your minds that as a healing step for everybody, really? I think on for for me, I think it's it's important, but it's important that the healing step not come before the actual healing. Like I think we need to like get like sports are great. We need them. Like I I think that there's that they're really important in society, but also like you know <laughs> I think that there's kind of really big things happening right now, and that we right. kind of need to get them under control before we um, you know prioritize sports. Like if we can do it safely, then great. But I hope that uh, I hope that the push doesn't uh, you know maybe exceed where we're at in terms of keeping people safe. And Mason, even though I hate saying this, you get the final word. <laughs> well, just kind of, I think Tom hit the nail on the head there. And I mean, there are still, sports will be great when they come back, if they can get back the right way. But like for now, there's still so many alternatives that you can watch, whether it's like everyone watches The Last Dance on Sunday nights, right? To just get those two hours of Michael Jordan. I mean, if you're Tom. Where did, where did he go to school, Mason? Uh, I don't, I missed the first one, actually. Oh. So I'm not really <laughs> sure. But I mean, there's so many alternatives. Like if you're Tom's kid, you can just watch some Frozen 2. Like there's other things that you can do. Like, so I think 
sports will be a huge step and everybody wants sports. Like, of course everyone wants sports, but I mean, they need to get it done the right way because if they don't do it the right way, like there's going to be more test positive tests and then we're going to lose sports again. And who wants to lose sports again? Right. So just, they just need to be smart about it. That's Chris Mason, Tom Westerholm. I'm Chris Catello. You can read all of us on mass live. Uh, we'll be coming to you whether there are sports or not, but obviously we all want to get back to it as soon as possible. So thank you guys. And thank you at home for listening.